Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How do I look? Uh, how do you look? You look good. Man, that was painful. <laughs> what, the pause? Just everything about it. The, the <laughs> desperately buying time <laughs> by repeating the how do you look. <laughs> and then the insincerity <laughs> of the compliment. You look, you've got a nice mustard top on, tortoiseshell glasses. No, no, forget, forget about it. I mean, you look, I your skin tone looks nice. No, no. You look I'm fine. Not... I, did, I just didn't know what to say. You just look fine, normal, good, good. But, you don't I mean, look bad. I was, I was asking because <laughs> I was worried there's something on the camera, some kind of smear, possibly butter, oh. which is giving it a soft focus effect. Um, no. I was on a Zoom with a businessman earlier on. Oh. And I could I couldn't work out where it was coming from and then just before I started the call with you, I wiped the camera. Right. And I realized there was something smeared on it and I'm now worried that he thought I put some kind of filter on for this meeting, <laughs> some sort of soft glow focus. Exactly, yes. Right, yeah. yeah. There is a setting I think in Zoom where you can enhance your picture. Really? What, make yourself look nicer? Mm, mm, okay. Maybe a bit younger, smooth out your skin a little. Interesting. Mm. The other thing I'm worried, I mean, I just think I look terrible at the moment. I'm ageing horribly. Lockdown means my hair's all over the place. But also I can't, I can't maintain my own beard. For years I've gone to the barber to have it done. And when I go at it with clippers, I end up doing a terrible job of it. And it grows back all uneven. So I'm constantly touching my beard and and twizzling bits round and thinking, oh, that's bit's a bit long. Mm. And then going to the kitchen drawer, getting scissors <laughs> and snipping a bit more off. And mm. then it's it's like a compulsion. A couple of minutes later, I'll find another bit and I'll go and get the scissors again, then go to the mirror and snip a bit more off. And I feel that, that I look like... I don't even know which film it is. I've got Angelina Jolie in my mind, but I could be wrong where she's been sectioned to an old-fashioned asylum. Oh, girl interrupted. cutting her own hair. Right. Or maybe Winona Ryder or maybe both, but whatever mm. that stereotype mm. of somebody slowly being tormented by their own insanity and, and cutting clumps out of their hair. Right. That's what I've been doing with my beard. Well, unless you still do have butter on your camera, you're not at that stage yet as far as I can see. Okay. 
Sarah, even Sarah said she said my beard looks like I've got um, payas. You know, like the, the payas. You know, like the Orthodox Jewish oh, sideburns. Right. She's allowed to say that no. being Jewish. I, th- I think that's fine that she can say that. I wouldn't be able to make that comparison myself, but um, but I, yeah, I, th- I think we've done a pretty good job of cutting those off. Okay, good. I do think, I think I've said this before, and I, th- I hope it's okay to say, I sometimes, because there's quite a large Orthodox Jewish community now near where we live, and I sometimes feel envious of them in as much as like, they ha- all have the same look, the beard, the payas, mm-hmm. the clothes, the hat. And I, I just think having all that decision-making taken out of your life mm. must be very freeing. Yeah, it does take a lot of that effort out of things, isn't it? Mm. That's like Steve Jobs decided one day, I'm just going to wear a black polo net shirt because he wanted to take the stress of those micro decisions out of his life. I do it now. I wear the same clothes for a week and then I change. But, you know, it doesn't make any difference. No one sees me because I wear a coat when I go to the supermarket. But, yeah, I wear the same. So I just pick, I just leave them on the chair, pick them up in the morning, put them on again. It's very, it's very, it makes life a lot easier. Undies inside out? No, 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 not the undies. <laughs> nice use of the word undies, though. Thanks, thanks for that. Undies. <laughs> uh, another thing is, I'm just so. Te- I think I've said this before, but I'm terrible at homeschooling. Yes, you've mentioned you're struggling with this. You know, there's that cliche what people say about other people's careers. Well, those who can't teach. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Well, I can't, and I definitely can't teach either. <laughs> so neither. There's more to it. <laughs> There's more to it than just not being able. It's so hard. I've got such respect. I mean, I always had, but uh, such respect for the teaching profession, especially when we'll get notifications on our phones at 11 o'clock at night that, you know, the teacher's just marked Jean's homework or, you know, late on on a Sunday. And it just must be eating so much of their lives at the moment. He's only four. It's terrible. I know, I know. know. have I told you that I've become quite obsessive about the work that we turn in? Oh, really? In what way? Well, I'll tell you what I think really is at the root of it. I think a lot of the work that I'm doing with him is quite boring. For you so or for getting, him? For me. Okay, just checking. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think watching a four-year-old write the letter E hmm. isn't, isn't that stimulating for me. No, I can understand, yeah. And they will quite often give the option when they set the homework that you could always uh, do something with photographs or you could make a little video. So I've been making these videos, which I've slowly been turning into full-blown production numbers and editing (laughs) using editing software. (laughs) You're that parent. Okay. Okay. Just to make it more interesting to yourself, though, right? Yeah. The the book they were doing last week was Titus and the Terrible Tooth about a goat in the farmyard with toothache. And no exaggeration, Annabelle. The, the homework was to to retell the story, just to check that he had got some comprehension of the story and was able to put the events in the, roughly the right order. Yeah. And basically, I got him, I sat him down, I said, okay, tell me what happened. And I wrote everything down in the order that he told me it happened. Mm. And then we printed farmyard animal masks off the internet <laughs> and I got him to sellotape them to all his toys and then we made a full-on reenactment of it. With I'd do a different shot for each character, <laughs> and then edit it together. I put music stings in it. I had titles, theme tune. 
a little in joke at the end saying no animals were harmed in the making of this film. <laughs> it was so, so good. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to answer yeah. me very honestly. Yeah. Is the reason you're doing this not so much to keep yourself entertained, but because you want to be the teacher's favourite parent? Well, it's, funny you should, it's funny you should say that because with this particular video, the worst thing happened. What? It was marked by the supply teacher. Oh, no. So the real teacher didn't even know. Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't, we don't want to curry favour with the supply no, teacher. No. Who cares what they think? Yeah. yeah. It was oh, awful. Gutting. Maybe you could send it in again. <laughs> uh, miss uh, i don't know if you saw this saw but this. Yeah. <laughs> to draw your attention i just thought maybe you'd be interested because he put a lot of effort in um, mm. can i tell you about one more terrible thing that's happened to me since we last spoke yeah, go on. on friday i became quite obsessed with you know this trend about sea shanties mm. i hope people know what i'm talking about but for for some reason old Sea shanties from hundreds of years ago started going viral with unlikely people singing them and putting them on TikTok and YouTube and, and whatever. Um, is that a good description of it? Yeah, great. And and it's become this viral sensation and loads of people have been making these things. And to be honest, we're probably a bit past the peak of it, But and, and I latched onto it a bit late. But I, I think some of them are great. I saw one by the sketch, uh, sketch group Daphne, which includes comedian Phil Wang the other day, and it was so brilliant. So on Friday, I had the idea, because we make a little video to promote the other podcast that I do with Ed Miliband. I had the idea that we should incorporate a sea shanty. Mm. And I thought there is no way Ed is going to say yes to this. So I suggested it tentatively and straight away went, oh, yeah, I'll do that. What yeah. is it? So I had to teach him two lines of the sea shanty, which he then sang. And and then my plan was to make two videos of me singing the harmonies either side of it for our little video that we use to then promote the podcast. Mm. You still with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Ed has many, many gifts but holding a tune isn't one of them. Oh. So when I got the when I got the video of him singing the thing, and and by the way, I, I I'm no Alan Jones either. I don't know why it was the first person I thought of who can <laughs> hold a tune, but I'm no Pavarotti. <laughs> um, but I thought how I can't even work out the harmonies for this because he, what he's singing isn't isn't the real melody. So I thought I'll call a friend of mine who knows about music. And I'll just get him to, I'll say, can I send you this video? And then you can dirt the melody, the harmony back to me. You with me, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I'm asking a musical friend mm. to teach me the harmony to Ed's poor rend- rendition of a sea shanty. Mm-mm. Phone my friend Josh, have a little bit of small talk with him. I then tell him why I'm ringing. He says, sure, I'll do that. I send him the video. Uh, I say goodbye. A few minutes later, he sends back two voice notes of him during the harmonies and, and I go off and do it. Right. That's sort of the end of the communication. Mm. The next day I go on Facebook and, you know, it gives you an update on what's been going on. Mm. It says, yesterday, 30 people wished Josh happy birthday. Right. So I called him on oh, his birthday. no. Didn't wish him happy no. birthday. Oh. Got him to send me durders of oh, no. harmonies. <laughs> and, and then that was it. Isn't that just the most depressing thing? That's terrible. And he didn't mention it. That's very restrained of him. I know. Oh. I feel truly terrible. Have you done any kind of ringing back and saying... Damage limitation? Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. I think, you know, 
probably, as in so many uh, situations, it's probably best to adopt mm. the port protocol and yeah. pretend like it never happened. Mm. I'm slightly offended you didn't ring me to ask me to do the harmonies. For you. <laughs> Ed's level of holding a melody is uh, is is. I'd say it's only a notch away from yours. Higher or lower? I will not say that. (laughs) Okay. Annabelle? Yes. Have we heard from any drifters this week? We have, thank goodness. Yes. Otherwise, this section of the podcast... uh, (laughs) It wouldn't work. No. I mean, it, it just, yeah. there's no way it works without contributions from drifters. So remember that if you're sitting on a story mm. that you haven't sent in yet. Hello at driftpodcast.com. Amy says, as this is my first entry, I thought I would give a bit of background about me. I am 22 years old and I am 100% drifter. Good things to know. That, yeah. Things that other people seem to find completely normal can be emotionally exhausting for me. I will use a university lecture as an example. I get really paranoid about making noise and disturbing other people, whether this is coughing, rustling or even breathing too loudly. One time my stomach rumbled so loudly in a lecture that I had to leave and I was so embarrassed I ended up fainting in the toilets. <gasps> God. I opened up Amy. my no. I opened up my laptop one time in a lecture, and to my absolute horror, it was in the middle of a rude scene from a Netflix show, which automatically started playing out loud. <laughs> I was almost in tears and the colour of a beetroot, and too mortified to even try to explain that it was just a TV show. If the lecturer makes eye contact with me, I'll try hard to nod and smile and look interested, and then worry that I look too eager or manic. I panic about being late and having to shamefully shuffle my way to a seat with all eyes on me. And I worry about not packing up fast enough and holding up other people in the cinema style seating. Most lectures, I barely listened to anything that was said I was, as I was so busy worrying. So I have to go over everything again later. OK, now to my story. I have a problem speaking up when there is an issue, even if it is perfectly acceptable for me to do so. The following event demonstrates how much pain I will put myself through just to avoid being a slight inconvenience. A couple of summers ago, I was doing some secretary work for a sweet elderly couple who lived in my village. At the end of most of my visits, we would sit around a table with cake and tea and chat. On a particularly hot day, I decided not to have tea and the woman offered me orange juice. I said yes, but immediately felt bad as she had to get it from her pantry. She was not very mobile and it was a very large house. When she came back, I saw that she was carrying orange squash. To other people, this might not be a big problem, but it is for me. I am a chronic migraine sufferer and have certain food triggers that will wipe me out for a couple of days, even if I take medication. One of these is e-numbers and additives that are found in artificial drinks. I have had squash many times and felt so rotten afterwards that the thought of it makes me quite queasy. However, she had gone to all that effort to fetch it for me. So I decided then that I would just drink it. (gasps) Things got slightly worse, though, as I watched her crack open and pour the double strength concentrate squash into a large glass. And I noticed that she was making the squash quite strong. But she didn't stop pouring until the entire glass was full (gasps) and popped it down in front of me. 
I think oh, at this point, most God. people would probably ask if she knew it was meant to be diluted. I debated doing this for a moment, but by the time she sat down at the table, I realised I'd missed my chance. I thought, well, how bad can it be? And took my first sip. Given that watered down squash makes me gag, this was more like drinking artificially sweetened battery acid. But <laughs> I was strangely determined to drink it. Over the next five minutes, as they chatted away to me, I worked my way through the squash, hating myself more with every sip. My <laughs> eyes started watering quite early on, and I wolfed down my cake to try and ease my burning throat. I somehow managed to drink about three quarters of the glass, whilst doing my best to look cheerful and keep up with the conversation. I started to feel quite ill, and so thanked them so much for the lovely drink and cake, tears streaming from my eyes, and left. On my walk home, which fortunately wasn't too long, my heart was beating so fast, my head was banging, and I tried not to think about how many e-numbers I'd just consumed. When I got home, I took my migraine medication, pulled down my blinds, and went straight to bed. I don't think I need to describe what happened afterwards, but never again will I drink squash out of politeness. When I eventually explained to my parents what had happened, they were absolutely baffled as to why I hadn't just asked her to add water to it or turned down the squash in the first place. But when I told my best friend about the ordeal, she completely sympathised and said that she would also have drunk it. So I think we have a fellow drifter there. Oh, that's great. I'm, I loved everything in that email. I feel, I feel excited to have... Amy as part of the actively contributing drifters. Yes. Um, yeah. That the was, thought that even was... to me of drinking, I don't, I get migraines. The thought of drinking undiluted double strength squash, a whole glass of it is horrific. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I was trying to think, would there be any way of like taking a slurp, holding it in your cheeks and then split it, sp- oh. splitting it out somewhere. But I can see what she means by missing the window. There's a window yeah, when yeah, you can yeah, say yeah, something yeah. and then it's too late, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this is from Fiona. For context, I work for the provincial government, so I've been lucky enough to have been working from home since mid-March. I've been going into the office a couple of days a week, though, because I can only bear to look at my dining table for so many hours a day. Most of my colleagues have opted to be at home full time, so I'm used to being either alone or one of two to three people on the floor when I'm there, which for a drifter is glorious. We recently moved buildings and my new cubicle is located right outside the office of our assistant deputy minister, which is very intimidating as she's the big boss of our whole division. She is, however, a very friendly Kiwi and I've made very minor small talk with both her and her assistant, whose cubicle is directly next to mine. So far, so good. One morning last week, the assistant deputy minister and her assistant were both in the office and bustling about, quietly working on a few things together. It was just the the three of us on the floor that day, so office noise was at a minimum. The ADM mentioned that she was going to pack up her things at noon and finish her workday at home. Her assistant said that if that was the case, she would do the same thing. It was at this point that I somehow felt the need to chime in with some humour. I piped up and in what I thought was a loud and hilariously sarcastic voice said, well, I'm very glad you're both taken off because it's getting pretty loud and disruptive in here. My comment was met with not a cursory chuckle or even confused glances, but rather the two women merely continued their conversation as if I hadn't said a word. (laughs) I genuinely don't think they were purposefully ignoring me and may simply have thought I was on a call with someone else and didn't really hear me. But I obviously (laughs) wanted to crawl into a cave and never emerge. 
It was mortifying. Thank goodness my whole joke was about them leaving the office halfway through the day. So I only had to shrink down behind my computer for 10 (laughs) minutes or so until they left. Lesson learned. My gut instinct just to never, ever speak was 100% correct and I won't be doing it again. Stories of shrinking down behind something are always good, aren't they? Mm Mm-mm. Definitely. Um, yeah, please. I really enjoyed both those emails. Please share your story of social ineptitude, especially if it involves shrinking down behind something. Yeah. Um, uh, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. Do you have for us another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult? I do. I was walking home with my son from preschool today and I had the dog with me as well. So we were something of a wide load on one particular long stretch of quite narrow pavement. And my son was alternating between running ahead very fast and stopping and asking for food. And then me getting the food out of the bag, him eating the food, which would have been fine. But there was a couple walking the same route at the same time. And so we kept having to take it in turns to overtake. And every time I did, I said sorry as they had to get out of the way. And every time I said sorry, I felt like they just wanted to die, even though like there was no evidence for this. But my default thought in most situations is to assume that I'm not welcome, even though (laughs) probably that couple barely registered us. There have been many times, though, when it's been very obvious that I've not been welcome. But my favourite example of this didn't happen to me. It happened to my boyfriend, Tom. So after he left school at 18, he took a gap year and went and worked for six months at a ski resort in Canada as a bellboy. And then for some kind of balance, he then went and worked for six months in an orphanage in Kenya. When I asked him to describe the orphanage, he said it was not a conventional one. By which I think he means the orphanage in Annie, because I don't know what else he's comparing it to. (laughs) But he said it was very ramshackle. There were basic huts and it was quite harrowing and tough. It was pretty remote. There was no running water. And the only thing to eat was ugali, which, if you don't know, is, um, is starch flour mixed with water. And beans were a massive and very occasional treat. So I said, basically, okay. when you see their everyday diet on I'm a Celebrity, you think, well, that looks luxurious to me. He said, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He then added that occasionally I go away at the weekends. I stayed at the Hilton once, which I think is quite, quite the contrast. <laughs> and then towards the end of his six months, he got a tax rebate from his time in Canada, which was $700. And he said it made him feel like a millionaire. And he said, I quote, Someone had been grooming me to go on their safari tour. And when questioned what he meant by grooming, he said it was a man who was a friend of the orphanage owners. And he mentioned this tour to Tom a lot. And he kept visiting with an A4 ring binder full of packages of trips (laughs) for tourists. And he was a nice man and Tom wanted to do him a favour. So when he got this rebate, he agreed to go on one of these trips. And from the ring binder, he chose an amazing hotel with a pool and all these incredible day trips. And because he was a friend of the orphanage, he got this massive discount. Now, I asked Tom to paint a picture himself at this point on the verge of going away on this luxury trip. And he said that he had spots, long lanky hair, was very skinny and wore skateboardery clothes. And he was 19. He was a teenager. Right, right. So looking like this, with his luggage and a sports bag, he flew by private jet, nobody else on it, just Tom and the pilot, to a five-star safari hotel with this amazing pool and restaurant, incredible views overlooking the Masai Mara. There were wildebeest and zebras all around. It was really beautiful, completely remote. 
And there were just three guests staying there on the whole complex. A teenage spotty lanky skateboarder Tom (laughs) and an American couple in their 30s on their honeymoon. (laughs) On the first morning, Tom was booked in to have a champagne breakfast at a hippo pool. As were the American couple on their once in a lifetime trip. They were all squashed into the Jeep to get there. And it was very, very clear that the man especially just wished that Tom wasn't there. And everything Tom was booked to do, so were they. And their faces, every time this little teenage international playboy showed up at these five-star experiences <laughs> in one of the most beautiful places in the world, the hot air balloon ride at sunrise, the long drives looking for animals, the fancy meals. He said the only time he didn't see them were at his daily evening massages. <laughs> and he felt so strongly like that they just wanted it to be the two I of wish them. That was, I wish it had just been the three of them on massage tables. <laughs> Them getting one of those four-handed couples massage and then Tom on his own. And I I do feel for this couple because actually it's better if there were lots of other people. The Mm. fact that it's just the two of them and then Tom, the awkwardness of it just always being the three of them together. Tom said that when he went down to dinner in the evenings, he'd see them already there and then he'd just go back to his room and wait until later even though he was starving. (laughs) But I do like thinking sometimes about that couple's honeymoon photos and this teenage boy (laughs) being in the background of all of them. (laughs) And whenever I feel unwelcome, I know that nobody ever, ever (laughs) will be as unwelcome as Tom on that honeymoon. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Let me ask you a question. Go on, Nim. With the current lockdown rules, yeah. you are allowed to meet one person from outside your household mm. to do some form of exercise. Right. If I am out on my own and I bump into somebody I know in the park or on the street, mm. how long am I allowed to stop and talk for? Because I'm really paranoid that some kind of COVID warden or community police officer would see me just chatting. And I think, should I be running on the spot here or doing star jumps? <laughs> I think, yeah, you do. You do. I have read that you need to do burpees and press-ups <laughs> if you speak to someone for more than three minutes. Okay. Yeah, that, that, is a, that is a rule that I read on the government website earlier. Good to know, good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy a few doors down. Do you ever have, have people with whom you have no rapport whatsoever at all so if you see them coming first you often you know duck into your front garden path or pretend to be looking at your phone yeah that would just be, to avoid it that would be everybody yeah oh come on there, in, there must be my some people no I, I i kind of feel the same <laughs> no, that's way. not true it's but not there true. are some people with whom it is so painful yeah yeah, yeah. Like, that that you'll do anything you can to avoid interacting with them i can think of one or two yeah there's a fella 
a few doors down from me who very, very much fits into that category. Anyway, I went to the shop the other day and on my way across the road to go to the uh, to, to the to shop, Five Sapphires, very good if you ever need any uh, uh, um, dairy products, drinks, tea bags, bleach, anything like that, really. Right, right. You, you often treat yourself to something from there, don't you, before yeah, the podcast? Yeah, little treat. During sometimes. normal times. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a great, great shop. Um, they're not a sponsor. I haven't asked them. Maybe I should bring that up <laughs> I think they're getting it for free. Don't worry about yeah. it. Uh, anyway, um, so I was popping across to Five Sapphires the other... The other why do I feel the need to name it? <laughs> I don't know why, but I think it's because it's got a very exceptional name. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I, I see this guy putting out his bins mm. and I see him pretend not to notice me oh the other way around yeah yeah i've seen that and i felt so affronted i really that i made a point of saying hello oh jeff even though i've got terrible rapport with him like i don't i will go out of my way to avoid speaking to this guy but as soon as i get a whiff of the fact that he feels the same way about me i find it enraging why is that and i will even provoke an interaction just because (laughs) then he doesn't win I want to be the winner in, in the blanking. I've I've seen a neighbour do that before. Like mm. they go to leave their house, and I see them like jolt back because when they see that I'm leaving at the <laughs> yeah, same yeah, time, yeah, I, but I just feel relieved. I think, oh, we're on the same page here. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring up the subject of the hierarchy of mugs again because this mm. is something you introduced to the podcast last week, and I'm curious to see. If if you're right, if other people do have a hierarchy of mugs they drink from, if people have names for for their mugs. So what have we had in the way of correspondence on this? Are we officially moving into mug chat? Yes, we are. Yeah. Very happy to hear it. Wish we so, had a jingle. I, I, I revealed last week that I have never bought myself a mug mm-hmm. and neither has Tom. I've I bought mugs for other people, but all the mugs I own I've acquired. Mm-hmm. And I sort of thought, does anybody ever buy themselves a mug and you have yeah. alec alec lodge sent us a poll that he did on the adrift facebook group and i will reveal the results for the benefit of non-members the question posed was have you ever bought a mug yes 83 votes i don't think so five votes no zero votes but 17 votes for only as a gift for someone else so i do feel that i am perhaps in the minority Along with Alec, as it turns out. Well, I mean, 17, I mean, that's not quite, doesn't quite add up to 100. Oh, no, it's, it's just over 100 and 105. So that's probably, what, like 15 or 16% of people you mm. would fall it. That's not an insignificant okay. percentage. I also think there is a way in which the question was asked. Yes. That skews people to just click the first option. Yes, I don't want to without criticize considering the last option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so, I would hate to do that, but yes, mm. I think I think if there are any statisticians out there who want to do a survey of say up to a million people, that I'd feel more confident in the results. The, the way you ask the question, the, yes. the way you ask the question is is important. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. But it's good to have some preliminary data on this. Um, Excellent. What else are people saying? So I also revealed that uh, one of my mugs has got a name. The name is Lips. Lips, yeah. Uh, a couple of people let us know that their mugs also have a name. So I don't think it's massively common. Mm. Um, but Tony has got a mug called Stripey, which unsurprisingly has got stripes on it. 
Uh, Louise says, Annabelle, you're not alone in naming your mug. My favourite mug has a large capital L on it, L for Louise. And she says, I call her L Mug First Fearson. <laughs> Isn't that good? L Mug Fearson. I love that. And then the mug hierarchy. So I also said that I've got five mugs in a hierarchy and that's how they're used. There's best ones down to the bottom ones. Yeah, and I, I have this as well. I went into mm. some depth uh, in, in explaining my hierarchy of mugs and I really got quite excited about hearing other people's. Mm, this is massively common. This is this is much more what everyone's like, yep, got this. Mm. Jenny says, I can massively relate. I can completely relate to Annabelle's mug hierarchy. We have four or five top tier mugs that always get chosen first. They are the perfect size and thickness. And although not part of a set, they're all decorated with different sea creatures, whales, dolphins, sharks, etc. We've never discussed it, but we both know they are the best ones. They get to hang out on our mug tree and are always <laughs> I love anything with we've never discussed it, but we both know. Yeah, 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 yeah. If they're dirty, we're forced to move to the tier two mugs. These are Nick's older mugs from his bachelor days. They're all quite thick <laughs> and have DC comic book characters on them. Technically, there's nothing wrong with them. But if he brings me a coffee in one of these mugs, I'm always secretly sad about it. I have that so much if Tom brings, because Tom makes me a drink quite rare. But if he does and brings it to me in a mug that's not in my top five, I know I can't say anything because yes. it would look really bad. But I feel like I'm not going to enjoy this. Yeah, it's not. The I same. even get that if one of my favorite, even even if it's the top two, if I know my favorite one is clean, I'll feel mm. slightly resentful that it's not in the in the number one mug. And then what if Sarah is using one of your number one ones? That that's what, that drives it me happens. insane. Me too. Me too. Because it doesn't mean the same thing to her. It's no, just a mug to her. No, he just walks in like casually holding yes. lips with his yes. drink, and I'm yes. getting like some for like Newcastle United mug I I can't stand that it makes me mad but I can't say a word also just hearing about those mugs as well that they belong to him in his previous life as a bachelor (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, just think what strumpets (laughs) what strumpets were drinking out of those mugs in his bachelor pad I I don't know that Jenny would ever thought about that but now she will making it even worse then we move on to tier three she has tier three these are the poor mugs that never leave the cupboard we've all got those mugs why don't we just throw them away they consist of one that's slightly too small and covered in photos of our nephews, a present, obviously. <laughs> a free one that I got with an Easter egg once. One of mine is one of those as well. Mm. And a matching pair in the shape of elephants that we got from a market in Thailand. We had visions of using them back home, reminiscing about our travels and feeling <laughs> smug and worldly while sipping our coffees. What actually happened was that we used them once, realised they're a bit awkward to drink from and put them in the cupboard forever. I always feel guilty when I see them and have to silently apologise to the little sad elephant faces. <laughs> I think I'd rather wash up one of the tier one or two mugs than ruin my whole day by using a tier three. I'll never throw them away, though. The guilt would never leave me. You can't throw... How can you put a mug in the bin? It's a, no, that's actually no. impossible. Unless it's broken, that's actually impossible. I think she should smash up those mugs that he had in his uh, yeah. his wild days when he but, was sowing his wild oats. They could, <laughs> stop going on about them. But you're right. They could be accidentally dropped, couldn't they? Yeah. Um, and this is from Joseph. Purely for info, we always drink in pairs. That's him and his wife. I mm. rarely drink a cup of tea on my own. The order is number one, mummy and daddy mugs. Number two, Mr. Gorsi and little Miss Liz mugs. Number three, <laughs> Mr. Grumpy and little Miss Sunshine mugs. Number four, the Big Egg Hunt 2012 mugs. Five, various solo mugs. Mr. Happy, Spanish Inquisition, <laughs> Ghostbusters pants. And six, pig mugs that were left in the house when we moved in. 
mainly wow. use for praise people when they're here. I've never heard of anyone inheriting mugs from a house. This is extraordinary. I don't think I could do it. I don't know either. I think they might be able to go in the bin. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say, I could listen to a podcast that mm. was just about the hierarchy of mugs week in, week out. Can I add so, one more? Yeah, please do, yeah. This is from Colonel Claire, who has, mm. she's actually bought mugs, six in total, and accrued the rest of them. She's never named a, named a mug. She says, I certainly have a mug hierarchy, and I would add another layer. It depends on what I am drinking out of said yes, mug. Yes, we yes, I, I have a touch yet. of this. Mm. I can't, I don't really like drinking regular tea, as in PG tips type tea, out of the Moomin mugs. No, okay. Um, That's for I a will more delicate drink. I, I will drink herbal tea out of the Moomin mugs, and mm. I will drink coffee out of the Moomin right. mugs, but not not. But I want I want a proper you know, mug, like like one of those sort of Easter egg, yeah type mugs. Yeah, yeah. She says, for example, a hot chocolate has a different priority mug. Needs to be one of the bigger ones to a cup of tea, a smaller, prettier one. Mm. 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 Very very interesting. Yeah, well, I think we've got some more of these to get through, hopefully in next week. And and I, I expect some more will trickle in as well, or at least I hope some more will trickle in as I well as people so. get yeah. to the podcast a bit later. But mm. I, I'm happy to run with this for a, for a couple of weeks if you are, because... Oh, yes, please. I love uh, mug chat. Me too, mm, me too. Mm. And if anybody does want to make us a jingle... <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, please. We'd yes. be receptive. Oh, so receptive. We've never really had a jingle, have we? No. This could be the... this. Imagine the first one being mug chat. That feels yeah. so right to me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, the email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. On to Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Annabelle, who is the first one from? Grand Chancellor Sharon. Grand Chancellor, hello. Hello. Here's a quandary for the modern Zoom-based world of work. I was at an... an, an this is a hard word for You me. can do it. You can do it. I was at an inaugural meeting of new committee via Zoom a few weeks back. Us committee members were all from different organisations and most of us had never met before. I was one of the first to arrive, reference the recent quandary, it is not okay to be late for a virtual meeting. And when most Agreed. of us had joined, the chair started doing the round the room. No cringing icebreakers, just saying where we were from and what our roles were. Not too drifted, not too daunting for a drifter. Once we got through half the 10 or so attendees, someone new to the call arrived. Again, reference to the recent quandary, this is not okay. Not acceptable. We carried on with the round the room and the chair finished with the late arrival. All okay, except I have been completely overlooked to introduce myself. What do I do? I'm too shy and it felt too awkward to interrupt the chair. Besides, what would I say? If I said, oh, sorry, you've forgotten me, it would only crystallise my already prevalent emotion of feeling insignificant and completely unmemorable. (laughs) However, if I said I've not introduced myself yet, it feels a bit too self-important. Plus on Zoom, it is hard to interrupt as the system blocks out noise from anyone but the current speaker. Raising a hand, either virtually or using the button, feels a bit meek and would only draw attention to the fact that I've been overlooked. 
Luckily, in this particular situation, the administrator for the meeting said, uh, sorry, chair, I may have zoned out, but did you introduce Sharon? The chair was most apologetic and explained he'd been going round the boxes as people showed on his screen and the latecomer had interfered with this system as my box had moved places. Fair enough. Despite the fact I was saved by the, this administrator on this particular occasion, being a drifter, I've thought a lot about it since, as the situation is bound to come up again, given the new ways of working. Please, please help me to start sleeping again by giving advice as what to do in this situation. The port protocol and just discreetly exiting the meeting and pretending I was never there is not an option. Hmm. Hmm. Well, your thoughts, please. Well, my first thought is when Sharon said this, this isn't too much to ask for even for a drifter. Mm. I think I would be sat there dreading them just getting to me and me having to say my own name. I agree. And what I, I did for it. a living. I can't bear it. Yeah. So I think in some ways it wouldn't bother. I, I'd just feel like I dodged a bullet mm-hmm. if they missed me. I also think, doesn't your name come, isn't your name underneath you on Zoom? Oh, yeah. In most of these things. But I think it's about saying what you, what you do, like where you are, like not just your name. I think it's more about introducing yourself and why you're at this meeting, isn't it? I'm sure it's happening more and more, these whole but Zoom you could be the mystery. You could be the mysterious, enigmatic one. What's she doing? What's I, she kn- doing? I know what I would do in that situation. Yeah. I would feel relieved. Because like you, even just saying my name, like I can remember when I was pregnant, I was at a um, a midwives meet, group meeting with lots of other mm. pregnant women. And we all sat in a circle and all you had to do was say your name and mm. whether this was your, oh, how many weeks pregnant you were and whether this was your first child or not. And I was the very last one. And honestly, by the time it got to me, I was I was sweating. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. thought of it just coming and coming, it was unbearable to me. So I would feel nothing but relief and I just think, well, I got away with that. doesn't matter. Not my fault. I'm completely innocent here and not say anything. Does it matter? No, it doesn't. Another thing you could do is leave the meeting and pretend your internet connection dropped and then rejoin oh, the meeting. Yes. And then when you rejoin, um, say, oh, sorry, my internet connection dropped. I'm, I'm Sharon and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in such and such place. And but what, what if I everyone do. thought you were a latecomer and you were lying? Well, you'd say, sorry, I was my internet connection just mm. dropped. That's how you'd, sorry, everyone, my internet connection dropped. Mm. That, is a, that is a good solution. It's a solution, isn't it? Yeah. It is, but Sharon, I, w- I would just try and enjoy it, lean into mm. it and enjoy the fact that you didn't have to say your name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, why is it such an effort having to I say know. your name? I don't know why I find it so embarrassing. I find it so yeah. embarrassing. And I'm practicing it in my head the whole time, like, oh, it's ridiculous. Anyway, let's move on to Vicky. I'll tell you what else I hate, and I don't know if this is just specific to the type of work I've done all these years, but just telling people what I do for a living. Mm. Do you find that exhausting? I feel like I haven't had to do it for so long. (laughs) (laughs) But I honestly can't remember the last time I had to say, like it's such a long time ago. Well, say say you were um, say you were picking Rudy up from preschool, and you yeah. got talking to another of the mums, and they said, "What do you do for a living?" Oh God, I feel horrified by the question. What do I say? I think I what, what, let me think honestly. Think what did I say? I would say, I. I don't. Well, know. You're an entrepreneur. Would you I'd say, say I'm an entrepreneur? I've, I've got a website and I do a podcast. 
right, right. Do I right, sound right, like right. I think I sound like an idiot? Do I sound no, like No, that I do? sounds fine. I think if you're an entrepreneur, you can never describe yourself as an entrepreneur. I, I think if use... you describe yourself, you've lost. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if that is specific to us having these sort of weird non jobs. And if I worked, if I was back working in the record shop, it'd feel less weird to just say, oh, I work in a record shop. I always find it weird to think, so considering the answer that I just gave about what I would say I did, mm. I try and imagine sometimes going back and talking to me at 16 and saying, 16-year-old me saying, so 45 Annabelle, what do you do? I mean, saying, oh, I've got a website and I do a podcast. And I'd be like, <laughs> what's a website and what's a podcast? That's really yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't know what either of those things even were. Look at you at the forefront of the digital <laughs> world. The least likely person to do it. Very much so, yeah. Okay, quandary number sorry. two. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this is Vicky. I want to go and have a shower in a minute, you see. So a I'm shower? This time of night? Okay. Mm, yeah. Vicky says, hope you can help with this ridiculous situation. Some background. At university, I was introduced to a girl who became a pretty central part of my social circle. We saw each other at lectures several times a week, got lunch together, etc, etc. All very unremarkable, except for the fact that for the first few months of our friendship, I didn't know her name. I missed it when we were first introduced and then it was too awkward to ask. I couldn't ask anyone on our course. We were clearly friends. How could I not know her name? She didn't have a Facebook account and she was a late transfer to the course so she wasn't on the class list. All I could do was ask leading questions to other people, desperately searching the internet for clues and just hope that one day someone would shout, Betty, and she'd turn around. The problem resolved after four months when she invited me to her birthday party and afterwards she made a Facebook account to tag us in the pictures. We're still friends 15 years later. This saga has made me really anxious about learning new names. I hate the first weeks in a new job, all those names, but I'm better at diving in straight away now with, oh, I'm so sorry, I've just completely blanked on your name before it gets awkward. However, I'm now in a new quandary I'm worried I've been calling someone by the wrong name for years. I have an established five years-ish friendship group of people I met while working overseas. We are all on different continents now and haven't seen each other in years, but keep up semi-regular chat in a text group. One of the members recently wrote, so pleased for you, Francis, on your new job. I thought this was a wrong number type message. There is no Francis in the group. Until someone else replied, thank you, so excited. The person who replied is called Joe, i.e. a completely different, absolutely no overlap, entirely not Francis sounding name. Everyone else in the group chimed in with congrats style messages. Joe replied to each thanks and the conversation moved on. Trifters, what the hell do I do? Social media is no help. I deleted my Facebook years ago. I follow Joe's Instagram, but neither name is used. And I can't ask anyone else in the group because I will sound insane. Perhaps they changed their name and I missed it. Perhaps they've always been Francis and I've been bizarrely calling them Joe for years. My response was to panic and do nothing. And I haven't messaged the group since. See above anxiety about names. This is very interesting. Like what, well, first of all, what do you think's happened here? And secondly, how can it possibly be resolved? I don't know. It could be resolved if there is one member of the group who you're closer to than the others. And you can say, you hold on ask, a minute, I've been calling ask, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that for me would be the solution. I'd single one person out and say, I'm really embarrassed by this, but I've been calling who you're calling Francis Joe. Like what is her name? I suppose the bigger question or, or the... 
the more, more useful question is if you get the information that you've been calling them by the wrong name, do you just switch to the right name and mm. not say anything? Mm. Do you stick with the name you've always called them, just stick your heels in? Mm. Or do you acknowledge it? Because if you switch and don't acknowledge it, that's going to look crazy. But it's also I know quite it's hard. Not quite, this isn't quite the same thing. But um, do you remember the curry house we used to go to, me and Pete, and they'd often come on the radio show, Mahal? Oh, yeah. And it was Pete's local. It was closer to his house than it was mine. And, and he got to know the guy who, who ran it. So he would always talk about this guy, Shahad. And then I started going in there and I got to know this guy a bit. And I realised that Pete had been saying his name wrong. Right. And it was Shahed. So not ad, but head. Ed. Right. So I mentioned this to Pete and he says, oh, I'm just going to carry on calling him Shahad. <laughs> because it felt worse to him. Mm, mm, mm. It was more, more awkward or something to, to, to switch yeah. than it was to call somebody by the correct name. Because you're drawing attention to the error. Yes. Even though you're... It feels, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so hard. So, what do you think she should do then? Just carry on calling this person Joe. I think, I think the only if there is a way of gleaning the the correct information, if there's some detective work to be done with another another member of the group, or or somehow, what did we say? This was a WhatsApp group. I think I think so. Some kind of text group. Yeah. So I'm not on WhatsApp, but I thought people's full names came up on yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So maybe it's not. Yeah, I don't. Maybe it's some other kind of text group. Mm, mm, I think that Vicky has to single someone out and find out the answer, and then she has to let me know because I'm really, I'm so intrigued as to how this has happened. Mm. But then what? Then if it is the wrong name, does she switch and pretend like she never no. used the wrong name for all those years? What you do is, and I truly believe this is entirely possible. You just never use their name again. And I, do, oh, yeah, I yeah, truly yeah. believe it's entirely possible. Yeah, yeah birthday yeah. cards. You just you don't bother writing the name or do, dear my lovely friend. Like just never use their name again. I just think. Do you have friends who you so seldom use each other's names? If you ever use it, it feels weird coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. So my best friend Susie. We, if she ever calls me Jeff, it feels so weird. Really? Yeah, oh. it just never. Our, our actual names never crop up in conversation. So it's it's, it's definitely doable then. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, that would be go. what I would do. Just never use their name again. Well, we sorted those, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, send us yours, please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, looking forward to more mug hierarchy next week. Mm. Really hope somebody makes us a jingle. Me too. So bad. So great, wouldn't it? Um, and uh, and of course, send us your hierarchy of mugs. Send us your stories of social ineptitude, especially if they involve having to hide behind some shrinking and hiding. Uh, and uh, your quandaries for quandary corner. It's all hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backer music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Kim Rainey designed our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. And I'm not going to finish with a quote from the podcast this week because I'm really dying to go and have that shower. 
and it takes a long time for the hot water to get up to the top of the house as well. Oh, okay. I need enough. to go and start. In fact, I'm going to go and start it pre-running now before the podication. Podication time, and this comes from Lucy Adams, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. You can't hear the shower there in the background, can you? No. Okay. I thought I was worrying it was spilling through onto the microphone, but hopefully uh, hopefully you won't be able to hear it. If you can hear it, then isn't that a lovely bit of texture in the background <laughs> of this podication for you, Lucy? Um, Lucy says, I hope you're both keeping safe and entertained during lockdown, whatever number we're on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, she says, I started listening around about episode six. That in itself is interesting, I think, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder if because, she went back to the start. Well, that's that's what I'm curious about. Mm. If you started, say, at episode 26, you, I could imagine that, oh, because 20 episodes of this. Mm. I'm not going <laughs> to dig back. But six sort of feels manageable and almost, you know, like... Oh, I bet I better do it just for the sake of being a completist. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Lucy says, I've hinted to my boyfriend many times to send in a podication, but he's not a drifter and doesn't quite get it. It's all right. It happens a lot. Uh, on Thursday the 28th, I celebrated being 400 days sober and I felt this was a damn good reason to get in touch and ask for a wee shout out. Absolutely. Lucy, congratulations. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's amazing. really great. Um, she said, alcohol had dominated my life since my teens. And once I got into my 20s and 30s, it became more problematic. Not Jeff's loft, problematic. Mm. Um, at the end of 2019, after many failed attempts to rein in my drinking, I finally decided with some stern words from an alcohol counsellor that I'm not someone who can moderate my drinking. So I decided to abstain. I changed jobs at the same time, and despite the pandemic last year and my lovely mum catching COVID, she's on the mend, but it's been scary. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked back where drinking is concerned. I could have lost my family, my partner, my job and my health. Listening to people like Jeff sharing his story has helped inspire me. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If anyone else listening is struggling with similar issues, help is available and it can be done. Love and hugs, Lucy. Well, Lucy, you can hear because I'm an old softie and bit sort of just it's it's a lovely thing to read that you've managed that. And I don't know if this is useful to people or not, but something I've been thinking about because I've just had this twentieth anniversary is I can get myself into some states like mental health wise or stressed or anxiety wise and, and stuff. And and because I've been thinking a lot about stopping drinking 20 years ago and what a mess and the way Lucy is describing what could have happened around her her life and her, her family and friends and job and health and stuff, that, that was very much the point I was at. And I, I was just thinking recently that, oh, if I, however bad things get, if I got out of that then I can probably get out of this or I can probably get maybe not anything, but, um, you know, I can, I can probably turn it around. And I think that's a great thing if you get to a milestone like 400 days or, or something like that, just or any any milestone really, whatever that is to you, just a sense of what you managed to do, mm. just how you managed to just pull it back from the brink. You, you should feel so accomplished Lucy and just 
any any time you know for whatever reason if things don't feel great or if things look bleak or or, or whatever um just remember that you did that because it's an amazing thing that you've done and and it will only continue to to seem more so as as time goes on so congratulations it's yes. uh, it's it's a great thing um love and hugs lucy she says ps we have an amazing swedish shop in edinburgh that's moomin mad if Jeff's looking for anything moving related, then she includes a link. I really miss, for the past few years, I've spent my August, or at least some of my August, in Edinburgh, because Sarah's been at the festival at the Fringe. And uh, I really miss it. I've just had the realisation that probably this year will be the same. I can't imagine there being a Fringe this year, and I really miss mm. it. There's some great Swedish, there's a little chain of Swedish bakeries come coffee shops and one's opened up in london now called soderberg in edinburgh which i always uh always like but what a city it is um she says it's not my shop but it's family run and they are lovely well lucy congratulations um it's it's a real achievement so and and thank you for like just telling us a bit about your story and what's made a difference to you as well it's a great thing so there we go latest edition of the podcast podicated to lucy adams if you would like a podication email us hello at adriftpodcast.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.